The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan. Thank you, everyone, for joining in today. I'm Kevin Hallinan, and welcome back to Winning Business TV and Radio on W4CY.com. We're streaming live on Talk4TV.com, in addition to Facebook, that's at Winning Business Radio, as well as available in podcast after the live show and a lots of, on lots of live platforms, uh, including YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The mission of the show, Winning Business Radio and TV, is, as regular viewers and listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, to learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos for sure, but also to be challenged and hopefully to be inspired by the successes of others. But, you know, virtually every successful person I've ever talked with has had some form of failure in their lives and careers. So listen, while we all have to get our knee skin once in a while, I always say each week, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Dennis Boyle, president of Seacoast Sales Solutions and advisor with Sales Acceleration. Here's Dennis's bio. Dennis Boyle has over 30 years of experience with large corporations such as EI DuPont, Dade Baring, and Siemens AG, as well as startup companies such as Excellence. Uh, Bioscience and MedTest DX. Dennis's experience includes both sales and marketing, and he has held several uh, multiple senior executive roles in business development, corporate accounts, strategic man- management, corporate commercial training and development, private equity, and operations. In his last role, he served as president of Spectra 254 in Danbury, Connecticut. He earned his bachelor's in economics from Middlebury College and also holds a master's degree in business administration and a master's in business education from Southern New Hampshire University. He also received graduate certificates in negotiation and public speaking from the Center for Management Research in Waltham, Massachusetts. He also has a certificate from the Emily Post Institute. I'm interested in hearing about that on business etiquette and ethics. Dennis's current company, Sales Acceleration, provides commercial consulting within small to medium-sized businesses to build sales systems and infrastructure to help the firms to achieve record revenue growth. Dennis has taught as an adjunct professor at the University of New Hampshire. He also leads a local charitable group called the New Fields Helpful Hands and a military charitable organization called the New Hampshire Military Mentoring and Coaching Group. Dennis resides in Portsmouth, New Hampshire with his wife, two dogs and three kids scattered all over the country. I think that's the kids, not the dogs. Dennis, welcome to winning business TV and radio. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is the kids. Good to see you, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. So where are the kids scattered? I've got uh, one who's married, lives in Washington, DC mm-hmm. um, with her husband. Um, I've got uh, one who's actually going to transfer colleges. So she's home for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the youngest just uh, is a freshman at Colorado State University. Nice, nice. And tell us about your, I'm assuming, much better half. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah, well, um, I, I actually met my wife um, on a sales call. No um, kidding. And, uh, is she a prospect? Uh, well, she became a prospect very quickly, yeah. yeah but she, um, no, she was, she, you know, in those days, you would you would work with distributors and distributor reps would take and meet different people during the day. And, mm-hmm. and so um, the guy who I was working with from this medical distributor said, we're going to be meeting this girl, Elizabeth, later. And I said, well, this is my call. I don't, I don't want to, you know, see her there. And then once I saw her, I, I quickly changed my tune and said, she's welcome to spend the entire day with me. <laughs> uh, and I, I actually, um, she was dating another guy. And, and, and so I, I knew that wasn't the case. And I tried to, I tried to hire her two or three times and, that didn't work. Um, uh, she she always had a good job in sales, and yeah. we eventually started dating, and, and we got married. So it's been twenty five years. That's awesome. So you, you couldn't hire her, so you married her. Yeah, well, it, the, really? the, the great line there, Kevin, was uh, actually she, she'll deny this if she yeah. was here. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to hold a gun to her head, but she actually said that. I, I I called her a third time and said I've got an open role for a regional manager. You know, I don't understand why you won't take it, and she said to me. Um, I can't take the job because I'd rather date you. So that was my opening. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we started dating, you know, I took her out the next day and, That's and so funny. Uh, you know, literally 10 months later we were engaged. That's so funny. So quick story for me is there was another couple that were trying to get, uh, that they were trying to set up and it ended up, I always tell my wife, she put the moves on me. She will deny that as well, but <laughs> you know, be that as it may. Um, so I like viewers and listeners to hear the backgrounds of our guests. So start with where'd you grow up and what it was like to grow up there? Yeah. So I, I grew up in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of, a you know, a, a real nice area to grow up. I, you know, I was think that the I home had, of it's either Kodak or Polaroid, right? Yeah. Kodak? Eastman Kodak. That yeah, was Kodak, my first yeah. job. I worked for Eastman Kodak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was a wonderful place to grow up, spent a lot of time on the lakes, uh, split, uh, you know, played sports, all through my life, um, you know, it was, it, you know, it was one of those places, and you can appreciate this as a father now, Kevin, yeah. that, you know, it's one of those places where it's great to raise a family. It was great to raise a family. It was safe. A lot of things to do for the kids. Um, and it was, a, it was a wonderful upbringing. I still yeah. keep in touch with a lot of my high school friends. That's great. What were some of your early interests? Oh, geez. It was, it was sports. Yeah. Um, sports and I, and I, and I think, and I think business, I actually, um, one of my proudest things is I, I, I would have to go off camera to show it to you, but I have a, uh, my first business card, um, oh, cool. that I made in wood shop and I printed Dennis Boyle lawn and garden work when I was 15 years old and went to every house in our neighborhood in the next two neighborhoods, over a hundred houses. Wow. Um, and I started a little, you know, lawn cutting yeah. business at 15. That's awesome. I still have my first business card too somewhere. It's, I'm pretty sure I could put my hands on it within maybe five minutes, maybe not two, but it's up there. Um, a little tape measure with the same company name on it. it happened to be my father's business. That's he tapped me on the shoulder in college and said, "Come sell." So yeah, that, that was, uh, more on that. It's, I, another, I think it's I think time. it's worked out right. Yeah, it has worked out. It has worked out. When did you know you wanted to be in sales? So you had an, an affinity or an interest in business. What about selling? Well, yeah. So, um, you know, you know me, there's going to be a story behind it. I, to get into sales, it was, it wasn't my first choice. Mm-hmm. I, uh, 
um, you know, I had school loans to pay back. Um, I had a little loan to my parents to pay back. And, you know, in the, in the mid to late eighties, um, you know, the quickest way to get a job, I wasn't going to Nantucket for the summer and then start that bank training <laughs> program. I didn't have any of that. I graduated yeah. on a Saturday yeah. and I was in a, my first sales training program in Eastman Kodak on a Monday. Wow. Um, because I, I, I couldn't, you know, my dad said, love you very much, but we really don't want you home. Um, and you need to go pay off your debt. So you're off the, the payroll job that you could, get, you could get that quickly was in the sales role. Yeah. And you kind of never looked back. Yeah. I mean, look, once you, you become a pretty popular young man, when you, when you work with Eastman Kodak company, and the first thing is you get a nice company car. Nice. Um, and you're able to, you know, uh, get pretty much anywhere. So, um, you and know, it probably, it was, probably a decent paycheck too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, variable comp was good. I learned very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. how to, how to make some money and, and work hard and, and I loved it. So I, I never looked back. So it wasn't my first choice, let's say, but it ended up being my first choice later in life because I realized how good a deal I had. So I want to, excuse me, I want you to walk us through some of the early positions. We won't take a long time because there's several key ones. Dade Bearing, you started as New England Regional uh, Sales Manager up to VP of Marketing. Just talk about the company really briefly, but your roles, and then I'll ask you what you learned, what's your key takeaway from that time. Yeah. So so that was, you know, you started as a sales rep. I was lucky to be promoted to regional manager. I was, uh, it was a medical device laboratory products. Mm -hmm. And once you, you know, I I was rep of the year for the entire company. And then I was regional manager of the year. So once you, you know, through a lot of hard work, you get that, then they put you on that list. So they bump you around to different jobs, right? To whether it's marketing or health systems, national accounts. So you know, they bump you around and then you get to a role where you're a director of VP and then they have a good bench of people, you know, to, to run a division or to run a large group, which I had, the, you know, I was fortunate enough to do. And that's really the history. I was, I was fortunate to have really good people around yeah. me, which I learned early. Um, I was pretty passionate about it, people, person, and, and, you know, just, just put the pedal to the metal and worked hard. And um, those components are really key components in selling. So you've been in the medical space or at least allied to healthcare, right? Uh, so yeah. Siemens, director of sales for four plus years there as well. Big company. Tell us about yeah, that Yeah, so, so that role was a, was a um, pretty good sized role. So I ran about $175 million distribution business. We sold mm-hmm. to clinics and doctor's offices and small hospitals. Um, and that was a fun job because I, you know, that was kind of my own, own deal, um, we grew about 20% per year, uh, high EBITDA number. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of great resources. That's, that, those are some of my best years. Those were some really, really good people on that team. I had about 50 people on my team um, within that business segment. And, you know, it was a good size. It was a manageable group of people to really know them all and, yeah. and, and work hard with them all. Key lesson learned, would you say, from Siemens? Watch your back. <laughs> what, you know, what... Once you get to a certain level, yeah, and and um, it it you know like I said, you kind of get in that high potential group. It's yep. it's very very difficult to move on unless you really really have a mentor that pulls you forward. And that was my key learning thing. You know, I say it tongue in cheek, watch mm. your back. But um, and and there is something to that. But it was more you really have to find that person who's going to bring you up through the ranks with them who's successful. If you have that, you're going to continue on. And I was lucky to have that. 
but then that person left the company, right? Yep. And then I don't have that, and you have to find somebody else. And it's really important in corporate America to have that, if you know, the higher up you go. All right. So you're unusual in that you have two master's degrees. Most people have one degree. Those that have two, I mean, those that have post-grad one, sometimes more. But what was the story behind two master's degrees? I love that, by the way. Yeah. So, so when you get to, again, to that certain level at Siemens, they have a corporate program for directors and VPs to get continuing education and they pay for all of it. So yeah. um, I went, you know, everybody was getting their MBA. So I, I, yeah. I had, you know, duties at home. And so I couldn't do the Friday, Saturday program. So, right. uh, and, you know, that was a while ago. So there was online where you'd go once a month to class. And mm -hmm. I did that at Southern New Hampshire. And so when I was going through that program, I held that position as director of the physician's office lab business. And one of the things that I learned very quickly is that sales is, a, is really a teaching position. Mm. Your ability to communicate and transfer information very simply and effectively to other people is that training portion, right? Mm. I mean, you do more structured training. This is like a mentoring type of training. And, mm -hmm. and so I went and got that because I thought that it would differentiate me and I would learn some things that would help me be successful throughout the rest of my career. And it's been tremendous. I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, everything is again about transference of that information, how, how well you can do it. Love it. A couple questions before our first commercial. Um, let's see. VP and general manager, excellence, bioscience. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I left. Uh, so uh, the Siemens Corporation came in and bought when I worked for a company called Date Bearing. And so they they kept us all for a year and then either mm -hmm. said, we want you to go or you should go. Right. So um, we stayed on this group of executives. And then one by one, we started getting opportunities um, to impact smaller businesses in a similar space. So that was a startup, right? Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was it was it was a start, well-funded startup. Hmm. Um, I sold a, a, a test called H pylori, which is a GI test. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I went to work for them and it was a great experience. I mean, it was more than just a VP of sales, right? This is running the whole company. So I'm setting up insurance plans, you know, benefits for people, marketing and all the different things. And I was able to build my own team around me. It was a great experience. That is good. All right, Dennis, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back, everybody, in just about 60 seconds or so. We'll be back with Dennis Boyle, president of Seacoast Sales Solutions and advisor with Sales Acceleration. Be right back. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Hi, this is Roger McGuinn, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. 
And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Dennis Boyle, president of Seacoast Sales Solutions and advisor with Sales Acceleration. All right, a couple of more, uh, actually just three more I want to talk about. Medica, VPGM. Yeah, so I uh, was recruited over to Medica, uh, similar business, right? It was one of those things where you do a good job with a startup, and that was a you know a company that had been around for a while. Hmm. I knew those folks, and they they brought me over to kind of run their sales organization throughout the U.S. and North America. And a division, a GM is a division role. I mean, uh, in other yes. words, you, you were running uh, yeah, P&L and. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. It was I was responsible like the president of that that particular mm. uh, division of the company. And key takeaway, what's your most important lesson learned, as you recall, from there? From Medica? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, um, well, I mean, it was a family-run business. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first experience with a family-run business. And um, like I had said earlier, Kevin, about having a mentor and a corporate yeah. structure, um, having an inside person be your advocate in a family business is important because no matter what happens, if the key people from the family are running that business and you have something that you know is a good idea or something that should be done or maybe something that they shouldn't do mm-hmm. to avoid a problem, it's very difficult to, to get that through without their, you know, kind of their backing. So it's building that consensus. Um, and it's tough with a family business. If you're it not one tough. of the family, right? Right. Yeah, it, it can be difficult. So that was that was probably the key learning thing there from a corporate perspective. I mean, having worked with several in and and with several family businesses, it's also tough on the family, uh, even if it's successful, right? That dynamic, you, you take it home with you, you have it, you, it's, it's there for Thanksgiving, right? It, there's almost not a break. So it's, it's difficult on the family too. Yeah. Well, it was even difficult, but most difficult for me when, when I'm, um, I told the, the, the CEO of the company that yeah. one of his sons was in the wrong role. I tried to be political with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but really, the son needed to be fired because he was doing things that were well outside the mission, vision, and values of the company. Um, and so that ended up being hard. But, you know, I, I, I just um, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm not a political guy. I understand that. But I've had a firm belief that and I say this now in my current practice, that I'm not going to if I see something from my experience with a company that's detrimental to the overall health of the company, um, it's my job. Um, to make sure, and if it affects the, what I'm doing, I need to tell them. And uh, and companies have appreciated that candor, you know, as I've gone on to consult. Yeah, it, I view it as, I'm sure you do too. It's unethical if we don't do that to our advantage, right? You know, it, if if we're not, if we're worried about keeping our job or doing something wrong, right? In other yeah, words, I mean, if we're not honest that's... enough to risk being fired. We're not being right. Well, enough. remember, remember earlier I said um, I didn't. Uh, you know, it, you have to look over your back. Yeah. Well, it's different as when when you're a management consultant, mm. you don't have to, right? I and that's the that's the the, the beauty of the role. Why I said earlier, there's the yin and the yang, and the before the after. The after is that that's why I like this job because you don't have to, right? 
Um, you can be honest. You're not going to be there forever. The, the, the outside consultant bringing them ideas to make them a better company, whether they like to hear it or not. Um, and I like that. I'm going to skip ahead. We're going to skip one of those companies. Uh, hope you don't mind. I want to get to Spectra 254 and Danbury, Global VP. You started as Global VP, ended up as president after, I don't know, a few years. But talk about the difference between, say, leading a division, Global Vice President, to now leading the whole organization? Yeah, that's a great question. So what what I learned there is is two very important lessons. Mm. The first thing is, is that when you're leading a company, you don't have anybody that you can go to to cry on their shoulder or get input or whatever, because it's a sign of weakness. You, you, You know, the person above you is the chairman of the board of the company, right? And a board of directors. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear good news all the time. So you have to be careful on how you communicate up mm. because mm. you are the top and it shows weakness if you show those things, right? So you, if you're a VP of sales, you can go to the general manager and say, hey, let's work together on this. Let's, let's solve this problem. And, and they're, they're going to do that. That's, that's one thing I learned. The second thing I learned is the most important thing when you're building a company and you're at the top is to get an executive team that is committed, loyal, and works their tails off. Yeah. Um, those people in place are what really run the company and you have to lead. You can't be involved in the minutia of the business anymore. Very different role. Very different role. All right. We're going to skip the next couple. Um, but I did want to ask you about Emily post. What I love that. Um, what drove you or led you or how did you end up taking that course? So, yeah, and, and, and you've known me for a while, and yeah. I've said that at, at, at different meetings, and people kind of giggle saying, if there's anybody who needs to take the course <laughs> as a result of his antics, uh, Dennis yeah. Boyle would be the one, right? I'd yeah. probably be top five. Um, so I, was, I had done some lecturing right. uh, at UNH, and they asked me to teach a class called the 24-7 Business Professional. And so it was all these different modules, and, and one of the things that was in that is that you know, the business schools and business majors and kids coming out of college don't learn business ethics. Right. Um, they, they are civics, as they used to call it years ago. Right. And so um, they asked me, you know, do you have expertise in this area? I said, no, but I, I, let me just check. So Emily Post, you know, they were bombarding me through the years with, you know, take our training program and then you can teach our products. So I, I met with uh, Daniel Post. Um, wow. I went up to Vermont where they're, where they are. I met mm-hmm. him and, and he's the grandson of Emily Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, it was amazing, you know, kind of a, a pretty famous guy in, in that world. And so I took the class and, and I learned a lot, um, you know, and, and I passed that on in the class. And, and frankly, um, I, I, I have a section when I lead a sales team on a fractional basis, I talk about that, you know, we're going to be a professional team. And that's how we're going to differentiate ourselves. That's one of our, our value propositions. And so it's worked well and it's translated well into the work that I do. And for those that don't know, Emily Post was famous for, for etiquette, not per business per se, but it was really just, you know, how to hold a fork, how to sip tea. Uh, but those things directly and indirectly translate into being, as you said, I love the word, being a professional. It's, it's a soft skill. It's sort of amorphous, but there are ways to act professional versus not promptness. You know, Kevin, right? one quick story on that. So yeah. I had a class of 30 UNH students. Yeah. 
And one of the modules was was dining etiquette, right? So you're right. They used to be just etiquette. Now, in, pause in one second. UNH, UNH students, were they, college, were they traditional age college students? Yes. Okay. Yes. So ahead. these yeah. are all sophomores, yep. juniors, seniors, mostly yep. juniors, seniors. Was, so they had these core curriculum classes that you had to take six of them as yeah. you're graduating to get into the business world. And so I said to them, all right, so we're going to have either a lot of fun or, or not a lot of fun. Uh, next week you guys tell me what your favorite thing is you want to eat so they all said chinese food from downtown in durham so i got enough for 30 people i had plastic plates and i set them up with a full you know how you would at a formal dinner yeah and and after they came in and laughed at me for a number of minutes right this was probably (laughs) class number seven so they knew me pretty well yeah and they said professor boyle you know why are we doing this i said because Making or breaking your career happens in these moments. It's how you conduct yourself. It's it's not getting, you know, drunk and having seven beers. It's it's the, the small things that really show them whether you're a you know high, highly promotable person. And so let's go through it. At the end of it, a number of kids came up to me and said, I never knew any of this stuff. I said, Well, here's your first test. When you go home for Thanksgiving to your parents, show them these these skills and traits, simple stuff, right? Just manners at the table because right. people, my father used to always tell me when I was younger, he said, there's two things I want you to watch out if you really want to learn about somebody. One, how they treat other people when nobody else is looking. Mm. And number two, how they break bread with you. And he was it's right. It's true. He's right. It's it's way undervalued, by the way. And I can give you a couple stories. I won't tell you now, but couple horror stories of people losing jobs over social settings. And it wasn't oh, it, just, it happened, you know, it wasn't just please time. pass the, you know, the whatever it was in these two cases overconsumption. Oh, yeah. I mean, at a, at a business, function, yeah, it, you're not it, supposed to drink too much. I don't get it. Yeah, right. I, I, and I you'd think that's everything. common sense, but yeah. All right. It, so it, we're going to get up to, not... I'm sorry. I cut you off. Finish that thought. No, I, I, I think that it's not taught, um, and I think that more yeah. people should learn that yeah. in the college setting before they come out. You know, they teach these kids resume building and, mm. you know, interviewing skills. That's all great stuff. But you know this. If your value proposition is the same value proposition that everybody else has, who's right. taking the same LinkedIn skills and social networking skills and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and interviewing skills, that's fantastic. But how you dress for success, how you look – how you look in somebody's eyes, mm. how you you converse with them over a meal and all that really is a big thing. It's it's not as small as people think. It, it really shows that you're different than the other ones in the case of a tie when they're choosing who's that next executive that we want yeah. because they're not worried about how you act in front of them. They're worried about how you act in front of the, the big client you're going to be calling on. You got it. You got it. Hey, we're going to take our second break here. Everybody will be back in about a minute. We'll be back with Dennis Boyle. See you soon. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Hey, this is Elliot Lewis of Hall & Oates, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. What I want. The YP.com website is your local search engine. 
If you're looking for a good restaurant, it can help you find the right one nearby with ratings and reviews. Or if your car breaks down, you can use the YP app to find the closest repair shop. Or maybe you're just looking for something to do on a Friday night. Well, it has great local coupons for all sorts of things in your area. No matter what, when, or where, if you're looking for something, YP Local Search can help you find it. So go to yp.com or download the app to search local, find local, and save local. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Dennis Boyle, Dennis Boyle uh, president of Seacoast Sales Solutions and an advisor with Sales Acceleration starting in 2017. Take us through that journey, right? You, well, I won't go back to the bio, but you found yourself in a position... Did you proactively seek out sales acceleration and self-employment or was it forced upon you through some um, no, circumstance so, so or I, tell us um, about that? Yeah. So, so I was running, you know, um, well, actually it was, it was kind of a sad story. So I was running mm. um, Spectre 254. Um, we were going to move down there. That was an area of Danbury, Connecticut, where my wife had grown up. So she, she was all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, we bought a 40,000 square foot manufacturing facility. I was going down there like every other week um, and uh, hired people out. Um, and it was really kind of the job of my life. And the chief financing guy, the company got very sick and passed away. Oh wow! And then two weeks after he passed away, his wife passed away. They had no kids. They had set up that company almost like a sole proprietorship. So the patents and everything were really wrapped more into his personal name as opposed to the company. Hmm. So the lawyers for the company said, we have no idea how we're going to unravel this or if we even are going to be able to make product. So we're going to shut it down. So I may be the only person you ever meet who has, has fired himself. I had a fire. We had about 60 people on the team. I had to fire myself. And I had, you know, I worked for a number of years and I said to my wife, I really don't know what I want to do. Hmm. So I took about six months off. I did some, you know, I did a lot of golf, a lot of mountain biking. I took a blacksmithing class. I took a harmonica nice. class. I just started doing things that I never had yeah. the time to do. And I would usually be on 75 flights a year, yep. run around the country. And so Sales Acceleration had reached out to me a number of times while I was at Spectra. Uh, at that time, they were starting this company of outsourced advisors to be fractional VPs of sales. And it was too early for me. And I said, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to do this. And then the same along the same lines, Kevin, companies were calling me. And saying, we're a startup or an early phase company. Um, We need some help to commercialize our product. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that there was a good need out there. So I took about six months off. Uh, My wife was was, uh, sick of all my fun and games. So you need to go back to work. (laughs) So I called Sales Acceleration back. They put you through a pretty stringent process. And Mm -hmm. I ended up um, going with them and became one of their advisors. And you formed uh, Seacoast as your company and it sales acceleration is a partnership. Is it a franchise? Yeah. So it's really, it, it, it's not a franchise. So you don't get like a specific territory, right? Uh, they call it a, you know, a reseller. Okay. So you're under the okay. umbrella, you get trained on, on their products. So you right. know, they have three or four different products that you sell. And, um, and that's part of the program that you're with, with them. And then 
you know, I have other things that I do that are products that, that, that I kind of um, have developed mm-hmm. for companies as, the, as I saw the need um, out there, um, you know, to build infrastructure for companies where they needed it. All right. So let's back up half a step. Tell people, listeners and viewers, what it means, what sales infrastructure means, and kind of loop that into a description of, of who you are, what you do, and the problems that you solve. Yeah, so so the the infrastructure is is this um, companies a lot of times within a you know uh, they they say they've got a product mm-hmm. and they think it's the best product in the world and 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 that isn't the way it works so they have no value proposition which we develop mm-hmm. they don't have a CRM to look at the analytics of where you know where where's the best avenue to get sales um, they don't have good sales plans they don't have good comp plans they don't have any business planning. They don't have a sales strategy. All these things, those are the, the building blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So the first step is you, you, you just do those things. And shocking is that the majority of the companies I work with have about 20% of these building blocks. Uh-huh. So you put the building blocks in place, which are, are simple things. Then the next thing is you look at their sales process. You know about this. So sure. you know, what are the steps that they take that they can, that they can uh, look at that if they repeat those steps, they're going to be more successful? Building so, a qualified pipeline. Um, those steps, that's exactly right. right. So so I tell them sales is about two things. One, finding out what your math problem is for success. And two, being really good with the tools that you have in solving that math problem. So the term that I use that I actually registered in New Hampshire is called sales moneyball. So if you've ever seen the movie I Moneyball saw that, yeah. and the analytics behind baseball, it's the same thing with sales. If you follow those analytics after you build that infrastructure – um, some people on your broadcast may not like this, but I'll say this. It's, it's what the, the New England Patriots used to say. The system drives success, not so much the people within the system. Once you have a good system, you can put, put people in and train them, right? Or, or show them these steps, and then you're going to be successful. So that's really what I do. And the problem that I solve is it's simple. Revenue stuck, and they can't solve that problem. Uh, size of your you know, client companies. I've, I'll, there's a follow-up. I'll explain that in a second. I think you may know where I'm going with this, but yeah, the so size of your well-funded startup. Yeah. Oh, the companies I work with. Yeah. Yeah. So well-funded startup with some revenue already, let's say a half million dollars up to about $40 million companies. After okay. that, they, they typically have all the stuff in place and money to, to, to put in their own people, not fractionally. So how often do they lack? Uh, so often they lack a CRM. Right. They're not able to track. They're not able, therefore, to create that money ball, if you will. They don't know the conversion rates. How about yeah. leader, sales leadership, not company leadership? Do they often lack sales leadership? Yeah. They, 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 and, and here's the reason why. Um, there was a great study, and, and I reference this study a lot by a guy mm-hmm. named Frank Cespedes, who it teaches sales at the Harvard Business School. And he wrote an article about five years ago that I reference constantly. The average tenure for a VP of sales, now it may have changed through COVID, right? Because that's been kind of weird. Right. But the average VP of sales will last about 15 months. That, I was going to say the national 18. Average yeah, 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 the yeah. Yeah. So let's say a year and a half. And you know this, right? So the cost to hire somebody in the time. So if they're there for 18 months, here's what that means. They come in. If the platform to sell is not there, in other words, if they have to do all this work that I do, right. they don't want to do that. They're, they're, they want to drive a team and get their variable comp. 
That's what they want to do and make money. If they have to spend six to 12 months to build all this and, and that variable comp isn't showing up, they don't like that. So they're there for six months. Then they start looking. They leave or they get fired because they don't wave a magic wand. And right. the cycle keeps continuing. So the companies I work with, one of the things I ask them is, tell me your last five sales managers and the tenure that they've been in there. So I build that infrastructure, which lends to bringing sales, sales directors and VPs in who say, wow, you've got all this done. I can now just motivate the team and drive revenue for you. And so that's a, where, the, where, where, where it fits in. There's a runway. There's a no, length of time okay, that you're typically there. And then, you, then at some point yep. you're replacing yourself. That's correct. So I would be in there anywhere from, let's say, four to six months, you know, mm -hmm. putting all those things in place. Right. And then they typically will say, so if there's someone in place, right, I just hand all that stuff over to them and they're happy because I act as their assistant almost. Right. So at first they're a little antsy about who's this yeah. guy coming in. Yeah. After a couple of weeks, they see that I'm doing all the work that they haven't done and they like me pretty much. Right. Sometimes I'll come in, the infrastructure needs to be built and there isn't a person in place. So I help them hire that person. That's the goal. You know, it sounds uh, a little ridiculous, but I say the day you fire me is a really good day because you don't need me anymore and you've got your person that I've helped you find. That's fantastic. Talk about the agility assessment. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the sales agility assessment that, that we do is 40 questions. So mm -hmm. um, what I don't do is I don't come into companies and say, Here's my plan. Right. That, that's absolutely ridiculous. What I do is I gather information the first 30 days to say, here's your customized plan of which some of the components are similar with some companies, but some are very specific to your needs. So the sales agility assessment will give me that information. And then what it also does, more than give me information, two things that are profound that I find in these. One, I have no idea why people will tell me, they know, they've known me for a week now, right? Yeah. So they hire me and they're, they're writing down answers to a test that are so completely honest. It, it's a little shocking. I, in other words, they're telling me everything that I would never tell somebody if, I, if the roles reverse, right? They, <laughs> there's, they, they open their mouths and they just, they want to get things fixed. That's number one. Number two, and most importantly, when I give that, I look for two things that really defines how, how the engagement's going to do. Number one, if the sales leadership team, let's say the VP, the, co the company president, whatever, if right. their results are wildly different, that's a management problem. Mm -hmm. And then if the sales team and the sales leadership team are wildly different, which is not unusual, that's okay. That's a problem that we can solve. Mm -hmm. When the management is wildly opposite, that's, that's usually when I need to bring in someone to, to work with their, their executive team. What are some of the other products you mentioned, offerings that you can provide? Yeah, so the first one is something that we call a Genesis sales plan. That's basically mm -hmm. that infrastructure build, your basic build, right. you know, CRM and comp plans and territory plans. Right. The second thing is, is that it's, uh, I can act as a fractional VP of sales, only as a bridge. That is, that is not a permanent thing. I tell people that all the time. I'm not here to be here for two or three years, Right. I'm here to bring somebody in when two things are met. One, one, what I've built is in place. We've got a good flow. You're starting to see that re repeatable sales process. And then two, when sometimes they won't hire someone permanently because they just don't have enough re revenue. Mm -hmm. 
So I come in for six months, revenue really spikes typically. Now they have the ability to pay and go out and get that, yeah. that person who, who fits. You know, a VP of sales is, is, is a big number these days. Sure. So um, I can handle that bridge to when they, they, I, I help them bring in that full-time person. Leave names out of it, of course, but can you provide an example or two? Uh, of results? Yeah. So, so on average, my metrics over the past five years, I've worked with 52 different companies. Um, the, the results that they want to see. So there's qualitative and quantitative. Correct. The qualitative results are typically that build. Right. And, but to be honest with you, that's a, who cares? That's great. Now you've done it. Now, what are the results to grow? Revenue? Right. The average result in revenue growth of companies within six months and, and, and before that is 20 to 40% increase. Um, I received something that I didn't, I didn't ask for at, at an engagement that's just ended. I was in there for five months. Their revenue cratered uh, in March, and they were really, really concerned. They brought me in. By the time I was done, we had completely flipped that, where at the, by October, their revenue was up 40% in the year because wow. they were just making really, really silly mistakes, yeah. and they were able to flip that and turn that really, really quickly, very, very fast. Love it. All right. By the more. way, I didn't answer your question earlier. So there's, oh, yeah, Genesis sales plan, outsource VP of sales. Then the third yep. product is oh, yes, something called an investment sales analysis. Which means? And so, and so what that is, is, you know, companies that are looking to sell their business, oh, they okay. want to put a plan in place to be, you know, let's say the, 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 the move-in ready house in the neighborhood. Mm. So yeah. um, that's what that plan does. And that's typically three months to produce that product. Yeah. And the more that's, I'll just echo what, you, what you've said, what you've implied more than said out loud, but they're not buying people, they're buying system. They're buying infrastructure, right? That's what's solid and left behind. Yeah. That's right. right. And, and I, I, you know, I leave them. Go ahead. No, go finish that thought. And I'll, I'll I've got a couple more, a little more direction and then, wrap up for the end. Yeah. So, so the one thing that I, and, and you, and I think you've heard me say this, I, I while people call me a consultant, I, I'm not right. a consultant. Right. A consultant is somebody who comes in and says, here are the steps that you should take to, to solve this problem or achieve what you want to achieve. I put that plan in place and then I'm the one who actually does it. So I'm more a builder. I do all of that work and leave them with their sales playbook of all the collateral information. So that when that VP of sales comes in to replace me permanently, that's how the, the organization runs. And they've got 25 different kind of chapters in their playbook is, is what we construct. That's the end game, what they get and, and what they use to run their sales business. Outstanding. All right. Back to you. What are, what would you say is either one, you can pick one or two of the best decisions you've made across your career. Um. I think one was the wife that I married because I can tell you this and here's the <laughs> yeah. reason why. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that sounds a little bit right. Uh, but, but here's the reason why. Yeah. When you're on the road continually as a sales leader, whether you're a rep all the way up to a VP of sales and, and I was traveling internationally, you need a good backbone. Um, and she is a director of sales now for a med device company. She under, understands it, right? So now that I've got my own business and she's traveling more, I understand that too. It's, so that, that backing and understanding has been really, really important. Second thing is um, that's really paid dividends is my father. Hmm. My father was a sales guy. 
He taught me everything I know about sales. He was great with those one-liners to really, really have meaning for, you know, life's sales issues and quotes and, and business sales issues. So he was one. And then I think probably the third thing is, is that in our world today, being authentic mm. is the most important thing that you can be because salespeople have a bad rap, you know, that Absolutely. kind of used car salesman thing. Right. And being authentic with people and, and communicating effectively very quickly and building that relationship, it's extremely important. It's very competitive in the sales world now. Well said. Well said. All right. So we like to ask about the back of the business card, what you do when you're not working. And I see several volunteer things that are really cool. Coached baseball. That's fun. I coached football. Loved it. Um, but talk about Helping Hands Community Garden and in particular New Hampshire military mentoring and coaching. Those are really sound really cool to me. Yeah. So, so in, in our local area, um, the, the, the local police department for underprivileged people in our small little area of New Hampshire, right? I mean, this is not New York city. Right. Um, but there are a lot of people who, um, who need a lot of stuff. And so we started this group and it started as just, you know, during the holidays, we would get dinners for people and that type of thing. Hmm. And then, um, we had an opportunity to obtain two acres of land. And so, um, I, through a land trust, I got access to that and I have a giving garden that's two acres that I do with a couple other volunteers. And once a week we pick all the vegetables and we give it to underprivileged people. It goes to the police department. I don't know who these people are. So we yeah. support about 15 families wow. throughout the summer with fresh vegetables. Um, really cool. The New Hampshire military mentoring and coaching program is a, a thing that I got in, in with our mutual friend, Don Bulldog. Um, and Don uh, turned me on to the fact that a lot of people are coming home from military service mm -hmm. and they can't get a job. He was so one. this organization helps them with every, everything from, you know, putting together a resume, getting their yeah. LinkedIn profile and matching up those skills to get a job and transitioning, you know, from military, you know, from being in Afghanistan, you know, to having a job in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, or Manchester or Concord or Boston or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. I've done that for years and it's just, you know, helping people get connected. Outstanding. Appreciate that a lot. All right. A couple last questions. Time flies. Who in the viewing and listening audiences should reach out to you and why? Why should they reach out to me? Yeah. Well, from a business perspective, um, I have a motto that I'm a go-giver. Mm. Um, and my father, when he died, he said, he gave everybody at the funeral a book called Random Acts of Kindness. Wow. And so he said, there's a tipping point in your life where you go from taking to giving. Mm. Um, I truly like to give. I get a, a kick out of helping people, whatever it is. Right. And, and that's, you know, my charitable kind of work is, has shown that. So I think if people call me and they say, I've got a problem. I need help getting into this or this. I love to help. I loved helping the college kids in the classes that I taught. Yeah. And that's why they would want to reach out to me. Um, I'll connect them and help them. And I really enjoy that. And although we don't, I know you don't, I don't give to get good things do happen when you do. Right. All around good things for I, the others and good things come back. I'll tell you, it, it's true. Um, people who don't believe it, I, 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 I say, uh, you know, there's a time in my life where we were younger when my, my parents are going through a tough time. 
Mm. with money in the house and my dad would still go speak my mom would go visit the carmelite nuns and give them dinners twice a week (laughs) yeah and my mom said here's the thing about here's the thing about giving giving is actually a very selfish thing and here's the reason why because you feel so good when you do it it's so true and so that platform of understanding that you can help people no matter where you are in your life by just helping them in small ways is a big deal and it's Listen, it's it's you're playing with house money when you give to people. Mm. I look at it that way. Dennis, thank you so much for being here. I know you're really busy. You carved out this time, and we had a little tech, few technical difficulties to get started. Thanks for powering through with me. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here, Kevin. Thank you very much. It was a joy. Thanks, and thanks everybody again for watching and listening. This is a show about business business challenges, business successes. Listen, if you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me. LinkedIn, it would be Winning Business Radio. You can drop me a note. One of my many email addresses would be kevin at winningbusinessradio.com. Our company is Winning Incorporated. We're part of Sandler Training. We are adjacent to what Dennis does. Uh, We develop teams into high achievers and leaders into true coaches and mentors. We're not right for everybody, but Hey, maybe we should have a conversation. Thank you to Juan, our producer engineer, for another job well done. We'll be back at it again next Monday, December 19th, coming into the Christmas week when we'll do it all over again. Be sure to join us then. Thanks, Dennis. This is Kevin Hallinan. You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.